Well, this morning we are continuing our Imago Day series. We're looking at different issues in the world and talking about how we have an answer for today's issue. And really rooted in the confession of the Heidelberg Catechism of, of, of who do you belong to, and then our confession is that we belong to God, so we're going to look to his transcendent word for the answers to all these different problems and issues of today. Today we are uh, looking at the problem and talking about the problem of racism. In particular, there's this issue in humanity that humanity is prone towards categories of us and them. And these categories of us and them produces systems of injustice and stories of pain. This isn't just something that obviously this month in our country and in the media today, we have lots of conversations about injustices that happen, but this has been something that has been happening in humanity since the fall. We've seen this happening, and we've seen this throughout the story of Humanity of this pain and injustice, whether it is we go back to the story of Exodus and Pharaoh um, putting the, the Hebrews in slavery, or we look and we see the, the biblical ancient story of, of entire uh, ethnicities being oppressed and under the yoke of, 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 of an oppressor. We see this as a part of our own story, of the American story, of, of American slavery, and, the, and, and the, the, just the evil that was from that. We see it even in this week. I remember as I was thinking about this sermon and I was doing my, my daily spiritual exercise of watching SportsCenter in the morning and seeing some of the things that are happening in the NFL with some, some frustrations amongst uh, the, 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 the interviews of, 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 on, of only having one black coach and a whole bunch of, of white coaches and a whole bunch of challenges with that. We see it this week with uh, th- these deaths that are happening uh, in our news, and we read them, and for many of us, if you're like me, you're just wondering, what do, we, what do I do with this? I know the media is telling me to respond in a certain way. I know that there's all these different sides. There's the right and the left telling me how to respond. I have maybe some of my own angst and questions about what does this mean? How do I, as one who belongs to Christ, how do I appropriately, godly respond to all of these tensions and concerns? Seems to me, as, we, as I've been praying about this and thinking about this, the Lord directed me to Romans 12. A, a word that I think many of us, especially I, I know myself, I'm preaching to myself, could need to hear on this Lord's Day. And where we're gonna land as we deal with this problem and these tensions of, of racism and ethnicity and what does it mean for me um, in this moment that we're in, here's kind of where we're gonna land. As a people of God, because we belong to Christ, we relentlessly, I would encourage you to underline that word, relentlessly pursue gospel harmony. 
enjoying the uncomfortable beauty of our differences. Because we belong to Christ, we, the people of God, relentlessly pursue gospel harmony, enjoying the uncomfortable beauty of our differences. I pray as we dig into this that this phrase would sing to you on this Lord's Day. Now maybe you're asking, Logan, what what do you mean by gospel harmony? I love this word harmony. Now I am not musical. Um, Every once in a while when we're singing along, I don't know, anyone do this, you think like, I'm gonna sing a harmony. And like, I'm not gonna sing like the melody, I'm gonna like go up there or or down here, and it never goes good for me, sorry, to people that sit, sit around me. But there is this beauty when you have trained singers, people that have grown up learning the beauty of finding their voice and where they fit, uh, in, whether it's an alto or a soprano or, or a second soprano. Look at me, I know a little knowledge, right? I was in the choir as a boy. Um, obviously never learned much. There's this beauty when you see a group of people learning to sing in harmony. When they learn their part, and they complement and stay in this melody. And it seems to me as we deal with this problem, this very real problem that humanity, our, our natural instinct as we talked about is towards homogeny, is towards a single melody, towards our own, those who live like us, talk like us, walk like us, look like us. This is the story of humanity that we're drawn in to our own. Yet gospel harmony says that God's people, because of the gospel, are called into something richer and more beautiful. In Romans 12, in my ESV, it says that the title for this is The Marks of a True Christian. What does it look like for the family of God to live in harmony together? As we look at these verses, I came up with four words, and I didn't do this on purpose, but they spell out the word heck. I don't know how to preach that, that's just kinda how the words spelled out. First letter as we think about what it means to have gospel harmony is this. We are a people because we believe this conviction that we relentlessly pursue gospel harmony, we believe in a relentless honor. Relentless honor. Look at what it says here in verse nine. Paul writes to the church, if you've you've read Romans 12, he just finished talking about how if you are a Christian, a part of the church, you are a part of the body of Christ. There's one body and many members. We all have a part to play. And out of that, he goes into that, he says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Look at this relentless honor here. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. 
He says, in, in, in the church, in the family of God, when it comes to gospel harmony, it's almost like a competition of how can I honor you? I want to outdo you in honor. I'm a very competitive person, so this really sings to me. Outdo one another in honor. we look at this and we think about this, he goes on, he says, on the flip side, do not be slothful in zeal. It says, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Do you see that relentless posture towards harmony? It says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Is harmony difficult? Yes. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I've been reading this book called uh, The Beautiful Resistance by an author named John Tyson. It's been really profound and helpful to me as I've been thinking about what it means to be a, a people that are countercultural. That because we belong to God, we act and live in ways that are very different. He wrote in one of his chapters, he talks about, about how we are a people who resist um, contempt through showing honor. Because in our day and age, contempt is at an all-time high. If there's somebody who does not agree with my political agenda or with my thoughts about this issue, it's like we can't figure out a way to be in a room together. Oftentimes, there's this contempt. And we see this on all facts. We see this around not just politics. We see this around masks and vaccinations and, and uh, political ideologies. And all of us are easily fall, in to pr fall prey to this contempt of those that don't see the way that I see things. He says this in the book, he says, I believe there is a cure for the cancer of contempt, honor. Honor is the call to recognize the value in God and each other and order our recognition and relationships around it. Honor is the operating system of the kingdom of God. This is the Imago Day. Because I believe that this person who maybe doesn't agree with me or maybe, doesn't, or maybe doesn't think the way that I do, because they are an image of God created in his image, they, are, they have purpose, they are representatives of him. I see them that way and therefore I have a desire, no matter what they've done against me, no matter what they think about things, I have a relentless desire to honor them. Hear this. The first thing is it's not I have a, rel a relentless desire to prove them wrong. It's not I have a relentless desire to help them change their mind. Here, the marks of a true Christian is to honor. Second, empathy. Relentless empathy. Empathy is even greater than sympathy. Sympathy is to say, I feel bad for you. We, we feel this all the time. We turn on the news or 
We hear of somebody, I feel bad for you, we send them a card, and, and sympathy is a, a very important response. But here, as Paul writes to the church, he says when it comes to gospel harmony, not only are we called to be a people that pursue honor, we also pursue empathy. Empathy is to say, I wanna know your pain. Empathy is to say, I wanna rejoice with you in your triumphs, and in that pain that you're feeling that I may not understand, I wanna mourn with you. Look at what Paul says in verses 14 and 15. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Here it is. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Church, I think sometimes when it comes to these racial tensions or some of these issues, we miss this. My first response to someone's hurt or someone's pain is not necessarily, I'm so sorry that you feel this way. It's there's something wrong with you feeling this way. It's you're only allowed to feel this way unless it's legitimate. And so we read Romans 12 and I, and I say, mourn with those who mourn if you agree with them. Weep with those who weep if they follow in the same ideology. And that's just not in the scriptures. Jesus, the King of Kings, is calling you to say, you may not understand or agree with this person's pain or this person's anger or this person's frustration, but you, as a people of God, must come alongside and feel with them. It says, live in harmony, gospel harmony, with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I love uh, Eugene Peterson. He wrote a, uh, he redid the whole Bible in paraphrase. And I love the way that he paraphrased this passage. Look at what he says. He says, bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends. Isn't it good to have happy friends? You don't, you need to find some. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. I love this part. Make friends with nobodies and don't be the great somebody. Friends, when it comes to this problem of that we are prone towards categories of us and them, we need to be a people that relentlessly pursue honor and empathy. And this applies to all of us. This is not just a black and white Commandment. This is, this is to the people of God, to all of us. Here in Chowchilla, California, it's called for us to say we need to feel empathy 
with a special attention to the minorities and to those who maybe feel a pain that I don't understand. And I'm not necessarily called to be able to explain it or even agree with it, but I am called to feel it. I think God is saying that through, through his word today. So we have this relentless honor, this relentless empathy, and third, hear this, relentless compassion. It seems to me that Paul is amping up the call here. You see, sympathy is feeling bad for somebody, empathy is feeling with somebody, but compassion is saying, I feel this and I need to do something. We see this as we read in the scriptures. You see in time and time again when you read of our Lord Jesus and the way that he interacted with people that were feeling pain, people that were blind or that were hungry, he says that he would feel compassion. The Greek word is that his stomach literally turned upside down. And then he would do something. Look at what it says in verses 17 and 18. It says, repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Look at that word honor again. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, if possible, brother and sisters, as far as it depends on you, you need to have this relentless, as far as it depends on you to live peaceably with all. Notice Paul doesn't say, if it's convenient, It would be nice if you all got along. He says, as far as it depends on you, live at peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Because we belong to God who is just and mighty, when we have experienced injustice, when we feel that things are not right, We do not need to be the ones that always need to make it right. We can trust that God will work and move. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God is a God of justice. Says to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, Give him something to drink. Verse 20. For by so doing, you will heap burning. Can you put that slide up, Alex? For by, for so, by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. This is the passage here. As Paul looks at this and talks through this, he's telling us to have this compassion. This reminds me this week we're gonna read of the Good Samaritan. In the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus is having this inter- interaction with this, with this uh, young man. And he says, Rabbi, what, what, how do I love my neighbor? And he's trying to, to, to learn what does it mean to, have, to live out love for my neighbor and Jesus tells a parable of the Good Samaritan. And he says that in this parable, first there's these two religious folks that walk by and they see a guy on the side of the road, one of their own, and they are too busy to care for him. They walk right by. 
was a Levite, priest. And then he, he says this radical thing. He says that there's a Samaritan who comes by and the Samaritan takes care of him, feeds him, takes him and gets him shelter and pays for him to do better for his healing. And we read this and we say, man, that Samaritan is such a good dude. And we miss that in that context, the Samaritan, as Jesus is talking to his Jewish audience, is the enemy. The Samaritans were the people that descended down from exile that, that were like this mixture of Jew and pagan and they, they worshiped in their own place and they, and they worshiped God but there was, a, there was us and them and Jesus is saying this Samaritan goes and he cares for the guy on the side of the road. And we read this and we think through this now I read this and I think through this and I think I need to be the good Samaritan. Hear this. I believe in this parable. You and I are not the good Samaritan. In the gospel, you and I aren't even the religious people on the side of the road. You and I are the beat up almost dead person on the side of the road who is in desperate need for care. And Christ himself is our good Samaritan. Christ himself, who knew no sin, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Christ himself came to you and I while we were far off. And this is what changes everything as we think about what it means to have gospel harmony. This compassion that we have for one another. Uh, one of the books that I've been reading that I found really helpful is a guy named Shai Lin. He wrote a book called um, Reformation. He says it's far easier to dismiss someone as a racist than it is to love them enough to consider their genuine concerns. It takes far less effort to write someone off as a Marxist than it does to pray from the heart that God would comfort them in their grief, even if we can't understand it. He says, may we as the church be so filled with the spirit that onlookers would be able to discern the mutual affection we have for each other, even if we disagree. This is the gospel, Imago Dei, harmony that happens when we realize what Christ has done for us. So we have a relentless honor, a relentless empathy, a relentless compassion, but also, don't miss this, a relentless kindness. Look at verse 21, Paul writes, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a lot of evil, there's a lot of lies in our world, and yet he's telling you and I, Christian, that the mark of a true Christian is overcoming evil with good. Why? Because that's what he does. 
Why? Because Christ overcame our evil, our sin, our junk by dying on a cross with his goodness. Taking it all on. Do you see how this creates gospel harmony in us? This is a part of the story. He writes about this in Ephesians chapter two, verses 13 through 14, as we think about how does this sing and how do we sing this? How do we pursue gospel harmony? Paul writes this in Ephesians, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace who has made us both one, look at the language here, and he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Here he's talking about there used to be a wall in the temple that kept the Gentiles and the Jews apart. He says that's no longer there, we are all one in Christ. Look at what he says in verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Jesus has broken through, brother and sister, to rescue you. And as we think about the song that we sing, as we think about how do I sing in harmony, don't miss the melody. You need to know the melody to sing the harmony, right? The musicians in the room are nodding at me. The melody is the track, is the baseline, is is the gospel. Yet, the Lord has uniquely created each of us as image bearers to sing with the voice, the design that he created us. Do you see this? So there's this beauty to your ethnicity. There's this beauty to the unique voice that God has given you that you have been called to belong to. There's this beauty to the diversity of the the, the church being a picture of gospel harmony. This is why we say, because we belong to Christ, we relentlessly pursue gospel harmony, enjoying the uncomfortable beauty of our differences. I love that word uncomfortable beauty because we can get really like pie in the sky, like it is so fun and it is so easy to be a people of gospel harmony. But you start hanging out with people that are from different cultures and speak different languages and and, and, and have different backgrounds, you find, you find yourself, you will find yourself a little uncomfortable. And I believe here, as Paul is calling us to gospel harmony, he's saying, lean into that. He's saying there's beauty in that. He's saying don't go to the problem we are prone to want to be with our own. Ben said, well, I'm, I'm colorblind. All I see is everybody bleeds the same blood. I think we miss something when we say that. 
I think we miss the fact that God created each of us in his image and our ethnicity is a part of that. We are meant to see the world in color, in harmony. There's a book that I read by a lady named Shai Lin, I'm sorry, by Sarah Shin. She wrote a, a book called Beyond Color. She said, the Christian story is one that acknowledges that we are fundamentally broken. Why would the realm of ethnicity and race be exempt from the influence of sin? Colorblindness mutes Christian voice and thought from speaking in to ethnic brokenness. In holding on to colorblindness as the solution, we as Christians are trying to doggy paddle when we actually need to learn how to swim. There's a beauty to celebrating ethnicity, to singing in harmony, to leaning in to the uncomfortable beauty of gospel harmony. This is, I believe, what we're called to sing. And remember, what did we confess at the beginning of this, before Steve's prayer? What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong. And hear this, church. When we say we belong, it's not just talking about me and Jesus. That's a part of that, but there's also this thing that says that Christ is the head of the church, and when you start to belong to him, you also belong to his church. Because he is the head of the church, and you've been called into community. And in our individualistic society, we miss this. We miss that we've been called to honor the community, to have empathy, to have compassion, to have kindness, because those are our brothers and our sisters in Christ. It's a part of belonging to the faith community. So as you think on this, I would encourage you, let's ask the question, what are we gonna sing? Here it is. What in the heck are we gonna sing? See what I did there? Let's be a people that sing of honor, that sing of empathy, that sing of compassion, that sing of kindness relentlessly because that's what Christ has done for me. Let's be a people that lean into the uncomfortable beauty of harmony, that reject the call towards our own, and to recognize that together we reflect a beautiful picture of the gospel. Now I just got to preach that and speak that, and the beauty is that Jesus also gave us a way to taste that. A simple way with a broken piece of bread and a cup. In a few moments, we're gonna lead you in communion. We're gonna lead you in to the call to do something that the church has been doing for thousands of years because Christ our Lord told us to. He said, whenever you do this, recognize that you are joining in the breaking, you are participating in my work. And when you drink of the cup, this is what unifies the church together. And so on this moment, I'm gonna pray, and I would just encourage you, if you're watching online, 
here in, the, in this space. As you ask yourself, what will I sing? What is my voice in this song? Remember that the melody is Christ himself. Come to the table. Give him all of you. And let his gospel unify us, feed us, and teach us how to sing in harmony. We need to go to choir practice, church. We need to learn from the great choir director, Christ himself, about how to sing in harmony and live in harmony. And I look around and I see harmony. But we can always continue to grow in this, amen? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, that you have taught us that your people, children of the King, who just sang, I sing a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody, you are the melody. And Lord, as we live in this moment, Lord, there is so much debate, so much contempt, so much telling us who we are, how we should act. I pray, Jesus, that we would be a people who pursue the harmony that you've called us to, that we would be a people that our first reaction to that blog or that post or that news article or that conversation or that offensive attack on myself that I'm offended by, that our response would be, I honor you. And our response would be, I want to feel and understand you. That our response would be, I need to have a compassion for you. My stomach turns for you. And that Jesus, we would follow you. You tell us it is your kindness, God, that leads us to repentance. So Lord, as we come to your table and as we eat of your kindness, of your gospel, as we eat the very real bread of you broken for us, as we drink of the cup of the forgiveness of our sins, I pray, Lord, that we would experience and taste the kingdom of God breaking through on earth as it is in heaven in harmony. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to teach us your ways. We love you, Father. We thank you, Spirit. We are in awe of your grace, Jesus. Speak into this time as we receive this meal together. In your name we pray, amen.